you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can we just begin to set the atmosphere to invite the Holy Spirit to move how he would like to move this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we honor your presence today. Thank you, Lord. Worthy is the Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Yes, worthy is the Thank you for who you are. Thank you for keeping us alive. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for touching us. Thank you for visiting us, God. Thank you, Lord, for being holy. Thank you, God, that there is no beginning to you. There is no ending. Thank you, God, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thank you, Lord, you are worthy. You are welcome here, God. You are welcome. You are welcome. You are welcome. shouting back and forth, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy is the Lamb of God, who died and rose again and is coming back on high. Holy is the name of Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, slain for the forgiveness of sin, to cover over unrighteousness, to lift up the unholy, to Touch the untouchable and love the unlovable. Holy is the Lamb of God, worthy. Only by His blood, only by His cross, only by the work of His death do we live. Come on, church, He's worthy. Lift up our hearts, our hands. 
Father, we thank you. Jesus, you are worthy, you are holy. We stand in this holy moment in an audience of one, joining in, Lord God, with the countless angels in heaven to say, holy are you, worthy are you, you deserve our attention, you deserve our praise, you you deserve our love, you deserve, Lord God, our shouts of joy, Lord God, you deserve the highest glory. Father, we thank you. We thank you for loving us before the foundation of the earth, sacrificing your son so that we could live, filling us with your spirit so that we could worship you, Lord God. Father, I thank you that it is not by our works that we are saved, but by your grace. So I pray today, Lord God, as we enter in, as we step forward, Lord God, that the distractions fall off. The scales of our eyes are opened. The praise from our heart is lifted. We give you the glory and the honor that is due your name. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill this place. Jesus, be honored. We are not here today to hear, to sing a good songs or to hear a good message. We are here today to give you glory, to celebrate who you are, to be stirred by your spirit. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. The whole earth is filled with your glory. We give you the glory. We give you the honor, Lord God. We're not going to let the rocks cry out for us. Today we choose to cry out, Lord God. You are worthy, worthy, worthy in Jesus' name. Come on, church. And everybody said amen, amen, amen. We give you glory, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, well, good morning, Connect Church. Man, wow. If you just walked in, you walked into a holy moment. This is just kind of how it works sometimes when the Spirit begins to move and God begins to do something supernatural. And you heard me pray just a minute ago that what you're stepping into isn't just a, a church service where, where it's about making sure that we sing good songs or that we get stirred by a good message. Our hope is that that happens, but... Why we're here, it's not really about us at all. It really is about Him. That truth that we just said, that all the angels cry out, that's what they're doing right now. That's not an imaginary, hypothetical moment. That is a reality in the sphere of heaven right now. What a privilege we get that God gives us to join in with everything that he's doing. Well, look, if you're here, if this is your first time being here, thank you for being here at Connect. We are really glad to have you. Thank you for being our guest today. Welcome home. For us, this is home. That's why it is designed the way it's designed. We want you to feel at home here. Make this your home. If you couldn't make it today and you're online like we know that so many are, we just want to give you a shout out. We want to say thank you for being a part of this and we believe that the same God that's in this room is the same God that's in your room whether you're in a hospital room today and we know many of you are and we're praying right now for healing and breakthrough for you that my God is the God of miracles my God is the God that our God is the God that break of breakthrough our God is the God of the supernatural the, the Bible says what is impossible for man is possible for God so I want to believe that not only we're going to believe that not only in this room today we're going to believe it in your room so when we're singing, sing. When we're 
praising praise, when we're praying pray, when we're amening, come on somebody, amen. It's going to be powerful where you are as well. I want to invite you, we're going to continue worshiping. The worship song that we're going to start with this morning is called Echo Holy. And it's one of my favorite songs. I said to Shayla this morning, I've been, this has kind of been on loop for me for the last couple days. Just loop. And the reason it's called Echo Holy is because we are echoing what is going on in the holiness, around the holiness of God. We don't create it, we get to be a part of it. What a God we serve. What a God we serve who doesn't just want what we have. He wants to give away who he is. He's inviting you into the living room of his house. Come on. In pandemic time, when's the last time you've been invited into the living room of someone's house? And yet every second of every moment of every millennium, my God is inviting you into his house. And saying, come on, can you echo what's going on here? Worthy is the Lamb of God. I want to really encourage you today. Lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Lift up your voice. The Bible says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Bible says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Sing unto God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. We don't do worship simply because it's a cool thing to do. We do worship because that's how we enter in to the presence of a king not about us today for just even for the next hour if you could just let it be about Jesus Jesus is about you Jesus is about you Jesus is about you come on church let's worship
face down on the floor. All to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Shalom, the peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. You are Him. You are Yahweh Nisi. You're the banner that gives us hope. That is our real identity. That discerns between the true and the fake, the lie and the real. You are Yahweh Yira. You are my provider, Lord God. Yahweh Rapha, Jesus, you are our healer. By your stripes that were poured out on that cross, we are healed today. So, Daddy, we come before you with lifted up hearts and lifted up hands, and we surrender to you because we know that, Jesus, you contain the name that is above every name, the name above cancer, the name above COVID, the name above uncertainty, the name above uh, of addiction, the, the name above depression, the name above suicidal thought, the name above loneliness, Lord God, the name above rejection, the name above shame. You have the name above all names. Jesus, in you we find freedom. Freedom, Lord, real freedom. One we can't buy, one we can't earn, one we can't manipulate, one we can't uh, uh, deserve. We only can stand in the freedom that comes from grace. That's why we can join in today with these angels. Because your grace reached down and picked up a sinner like me. And when I was running my own race, doing my own thing, you didn't run away from me. You chased me down. Love so deep and so wide. I couldn't get around it. I couldn't excuse it away. I couldn't drink it away. I couldn't buy it away. All I could do was be drowned by your love. Jesus, you alone are worthy today. So don't allow one plan of the enemy to succeed today. Not one plan of the enemy, Lord God. We give no room for the enemy in, the, in our lives today. Whatever you bought on the cross, we say yes to in our life today. And we believe for miracles and signs and wonders and healings today. Healing for people in this room. Healing for people in hospital rooms today. In the name of Jesus, we believe that you are our healer. Today we stand healed in the name of Jesus. And together in faith, in faith, we are believing. We're going we're gonna to praise him in advance for the miracle that's on your way. It's coming. If you can agree with me, can you say amen, 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 amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Lord God, we love you this morning. Woo! Church, what a God we serve. We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a living Christ. We don't serve a, a philosophy or an ideology. We are not religious people. We are followers of a King of kings and Lord of lords. We serve a God who, we serve a King who's sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and will one day step back out on the clouds to come back and take you home. And let me tell you, it's not because we deserve it. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and one of us good enough to deserve it. 
That's why we should be praising him with everything we got because the grace is so thick. Well, I'm really glad you're here today. I believe God has something supernatural for you today because he doesn't want to encounter you from a distance. You heard me pray. When I was praying, I was running so far from God, but I was never ran so far. His love couldn't run me down. It's the same way with you. There is not one pit of hell that you didn't actually exist in on this earth that my God cannot run to. The Bible says that Jesus came and broke the binds of hell. By his stripes, you are healed today. I believe that for you. Do you believe that for yourself today? Well, man, look, as you're being seated, you're in the right, can I, you're in the right place today. Anybody, can I get in, man? You're in the right place today. And as you're, as you're being seated, turn to somebody you didn't come to church with. Tell them hi, say hello, give them an air high five, give them an elbow bump fist pump, whatever it is, just say hi for a moment. Woo. Can you give the worship team just a, just, just, just a shout out really quick? So good to have my brother Chris Stevens back from tour. Chris uh, tours very often with John Legend, and so uh, he, uh, man, but there, I tell him all the time, between he and Shayla, his wife, there's something powerful. Can I just encourage you? The Bible says we're two touch anything in agreement. God adds his agreement to it. Yeah. When you're in agreement as husband and wife, and you're using your gifts together, there is something supernatural that's released. And it doesn't need to be, I just want to say this as parents, it doesn't need to be on the stage. Maybe your greatest stage as a parent is in the four walls of your home. And if you can actually be in agreement spiritually there, the, the, what happens in here can happen there. It's, it's incredible. We, I was we were talking to, to men this week and forged about the reality of the priesthood of the household is not about authority. It's about spirituality. A man who leads isn't leading out of authority. He's leading out of spirituality. He, he, he's saying, hey, come on, let's go. We're going to pray together as a family. Hey, come on, we're, we're going we're to just turn on worship. Kids, we're going to turn off uh, the PlayStation for a little bit. We're, we're going to turn off uh, the YouTube for a little bit, the TikToks. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we're just going to worship for a bit. Something happens. We want to help you in that because we, we believe in raising up generations. We believe in helping equip you to do what God's called you and then placed you to do. So as parents, I know our, 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 uh, chil our children and family pastors, Kevin and Lisa McKinney, um, they have a box for you today, a, a Connect Kids Family Camp box. And I love this box because um, in it, it's packed with things to help you over the next week, over the next few days, to be at home with your children. And actually, it gives you everything you need to have a... VBS Kids Camp in your own living room. I think that's really cool. Because look, we can't get all the kids together for a couple hours every night, right? Come on, so right, right now that's not, but it's, it's not because we can't do it here. It's because it's meant to be done in your four walls. Take a risk, love on your kid. Pick up one of these after service. Hey, listen, if you, are, if you are a grandparent in here, pick up one for your grandkids. Take it home. 
If you've got a friend, a neighbor, you want to bless them, pick up a box, drop it off at their house. We drop off TKC food baskets at neighbors' houses. Why not spiritual food as well? Amen? Awesome. Hey, I'm going to give this to Jake. Can you give our kids, uh, our kids ministry, give them a real loud shout. They're awesome. We love you guys. Thank you for everything you're doing. I know some of them can, uh, can, can hear because they're on, uh, they're, they, st- they got the stuff online, but um, hey, are you ready for the word this morning? Because I'm ready to, 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 to bring the word today. If you, um, if you have your Bible, since you have your Bible, open with me to the book of John, the book of John, John chapter 19. John uh, is the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's written by the Apostle John, the one who the Bible says Jesus loved, right? I love that about him. If you need a, a title for today's message, it's called The Turning Point. The Turning Point. Dee and I were just talking about this over the last few days because I think as we look around our culture today, there's this pressure from every corner in our lives, from commercials to political correctness to the barrage of social media kind of opinions that are out there that are attempting to turn us, to turn our, uh, our convictions to their own viewpoints. They're, they're, they're pressuring us to have a turning point moment. And what I mean by that turning point moment is where we stop acting one way and we start acting a different way, the way that they would have us act. And we're being barraged by it all around in every, in every area from your kids going to school and what they're being taught to things that just pop up on your social media to the news to articles you read. In every area, people are trying to give you to a turning point. I, I, I love a, a viral video that's out there. Maybe you've seen it. But it's, uh, it's the, this dog owner. And he, 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 his dog, her, she's been barking and barking and barking. And so he scoops her up, rushes to the front door, swings open the front door, sticks the dog out and goes, Look, Penelope, there's no one here. Penelope, there's no, there's no one. There's no one. Everybody who's a dog owner understands what I mean. Because you're trying to get your dog to stop acting the way that they are naturally formed to act. <laughs> Pastor John said, amen. I, I hear you, Venti. Yeah, I got you. But here's the truth. In a real way, these external forces are simply a counterfeit to the internal wooing of the Holy Spirit. It's a counterfeit. That's what the enemy does. The enemy counterfeits everything that God is trying to do. He counterfeits it externally because he can't do it internally. The Holy Spirit, my my friends, has been wooing you and I to have this real turning point moment when it comes to Jesus. He's wooing you and I to have this turning point moment where we turn towards a deep, passionate, openly demonstrative life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. What Jesus describes as denying ourselves and picking up our cross very visibly, changing who we are and following him. For me, this turning point moment came in the summer of my, the, my the summer going into my senior year at college. It was a real turning point moment for me. 
I collided with the love of God in a real way. I, I was raised in a Christian home. I went to church. I was saved. I, I would have went to heaven and I died. But, but that wasn't what it was really all about, was it? I had this turning point moment where Christ became more important to me than my career, than my campus life, than my coolness factor, although that didn't take much of a hit. You know what I'm saying? I came to this place where he became Lord, and I truly and openly became his disciple. Don't get me wrong. I knew that there was going to be a cost. I knew what I had to lose, but I knew even more what I had to gain. And what was more important than that than anything else is I knew what pleasure he would get in my decision. I knew what joy he would take in me actually saying yes to everything that he paid for, all that he was. There was joy in it for him. And that mattered to me, and it still does. And that's the invitation we're going to find this morning in this text in John 19. This invitation of Joseph and Nicodemus who had once been secret believers of Jesus, but now we're going to be open <laughs> disciples of Christ. They'd come to the cross. They were witnesses of it. And in that collision of the cross, of the love of God, something happened. And now... Having once been secret followers of Jesus, they came to this turning point moment. Yeah. My friends, it's a turning point moment that all of us come to. The turning point moment of the Holy Spirit wooing us from being a simple believer of Jesus and his forgiveness to being an open, declared follower, disciple of Jesus Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit is wooing all of us to today. A deeper love of God. There's this great verse that we see in John chapter 19, starting verse 38. It says, after these things, after Jesus died, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but underline this, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. He grabbed a hold of it. He took it. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night. John is saying he's the same kind of person. They're, they're both secretive followers of Jesus. He came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. Now let's stop there. This is an amazing moment in history where the collision that these two men had with the love of God on the cross, changes them entirely. It changes their level of connection to Jesus. It changes their outward commitment to Jesus. And even though, my friends, here's the reality, even though this is God's desire for you and I in, our, in his heart, it's so easy to allow this thing to become murky in our modern culture. This invitation to become murky, especially in American Christianity, where the gospel is about me and it's not really about he. It's easy to get murky. But why is it easy to get murky? I think it's so easy to get murky because of our view of what, what private means in our world. What private means in our world. This is where it gets murky for us. 
I, I was watching a show the other day. They were renovating um, a, uh, a chateau. And they didn't want people to go up these certain set of stairs. And so they put a chain across it with a wooden sign that said private. It said private, right? And, and what it meant is they, they, they were trying to keep people out of that area. They, they were trying to say, this is an unseen area. This, this is my personal space. Now, now, can we all agree that that's okay when you're trying to keep people from kind of falling off a ledge on a house that you were doing? But the reality is that happens in our life all the time. We put those chains across things that are never meant to be chained in. We use this word, private, when it comes to our faith. I have a private faith. It's just my personal faith. And it's being reinforced time and time again. Through all that we do in modern Christianity, this private, personal faith, which is counter to everything the Bible teaches. I think the issue is so often that many things that are meant to be brought out into the light get caught up and hidden away and are left unseen because they get caught up in the word that we use as private. And I get it. At times this idea of what is private is reinforced deeply inside of us. I mean deeply inside of us. When we go to work, it's reinforced inside of us because at work we need to what? Keep the main thing the main thing. I'm at work. I gotta. I gotta have my. This is my. The main thing's the main thing, Pastor. I gotta. That's, I'm at work. And then when it comes to friendships, it's like, well, I don't. I don't really want to rock the boat. I just want to be a good friend to them. So I'll keep the peace. Things remain hidden. Private, personal. How many of us, at times, sitting around a family table at Thanksgiving or Christmas? Or a birthday party? How many of us have time and time again been afraid to voice a counter opinion based on the truth of God? Because every time that we have voiced the counter opinion based on the, on the word of God, based on the character of Jesus, based on the truth of what God's calling us to, all hell broke loose. Maybe it's been reinforced in us as children because we grew up in the home of an alcoholic. Or an addict. And there's so, so much shame to that. That we keep things private. Maybe you were the kid whose household was so dysfunctional that you always went to someone else's house. But never invited them back to yours. Because there are things that are private. But my friends... Disciples need to change the narrative because you and I have a changed perspective on life. We need to change the narrative that's going around inside of us because we have a changed perspective on life. The issue for us is what our soul, our self-driven soul calls private, the Bible calls secret. None of us want to admit that we've got a secret life. But when we keep things private, the Bible says we keep them secret. That Greek word there for secret actually means this, to intentionally cover up. 
to intentionally cover something up as secret. And I think we end up doing this for a multitude of reasons. But the deep truth is that most of them come, I think, probably from generational or cultural convention. Come on. We don't do this in our family. In our culture, we say home life is home life. We keep things private. Hey, that's not how our generation does it. We don't put our business, come on somebody, out there. And so this concept of private, secret, is reinforced culturally. It's reinforced generationally. It's reinforced many times out of shame because we're ashamed of the things that are actually we're keeping private. We are so afraid of what people might think if they actually knew what was out there or in here. We are afraid maybe of what God would think if he knew what we actually had inside, behind that chain that says private. Shame, fear, guilt, all brokenness. We have to recognize it is not the Holy Spirit that is calling us to put up the chain that says private. It is the brokenness of our own life that calls out from within us, protect yourself. Protect yourself. For God's sake, protect yourself. And I get it because there's areas in me I don't want people to see. I get it because I'm broken too. And I'm ashamed of certain things that I would put behind that. But there's no healing there. Joseph and Nicodemus, they had a lot to lose by proclaiming that they were radical for Jesus. A lot. They were part of the Jewish Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish ruling class. They, they made all the decisions for everybody. They were the upper crust of the upper crust. They had a lot to lose. Because if you're not Jewish anymore, you're not with us. It's just that easy. You know, their social life's gone. They come out for Jesus. Who's having them over for Saturday afternoon meal? They were successful businessmen. Coming out for Jesus would have jeopardized their economic and prosperity and their success. Things that their culture valued and determined worth by. And maybe like us, maybe, just maybe, if we could stop for a moment, maybe like us, there were reasons that they had for intentionally covering up their deep connection to Jesus. I get it. In our modern day cancel culture, much like the Jewish culture of the time, you're either for us or you're out. Being, standing on truth for Jesus in our culture, yeah. Standing up for the grace of God, the love of God, the word of God, being sold out for the kingdom of God, there's a real threat to you. It's true. Did you read in there where it said, for fear of the Jews? I get it. There's a lot of times the fear of what other people will say. The fear of their opinions of us. Fear of what they're going to say about us. The fear of their rejection of us. That just means we're going to face more isolation after two years of isolation. 
Come on. We are more vulnerable today to this than ever. Because we fear being canceled, rejected, isolated, seen as something different than acceptable. But many times, if we're honest, my friends, the Jews that we are most afraid of are not external. It's us. We are afraid of what it would mean for us to live at that level of commitment to Jesus. We are afraid of what it would mean to bring those kind of things into the light. We are afraid of what it would mean to surrender and what we'd have to surrender. The truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, the Jews we are greatest afraid of are us. And in church life, many times the Jews you're afraid of are sitting next to you in these chairs because of what they would think of you if they really knew the real you. And so we live in bondage behind chains, satisfied with an unseen life, separated from intimacy with a loving God. See, the truth is, my friends, as believers, we can keep our beliefs secret. Having personal beliefs about Jesus. These are just my personal beliefs about Jesus. I got my personal faith. I've got my, I've just, Pastor, you've got to understand, I've got my personal belief system. And it's easy as a believer to stand in the crowd receiving the blessings of Jesus, but not risking anything for him. Not putting anything on the line. Not needing to declare for Jesus. Come on, let's ask ourselves the question, how many times had Nicodemus and Joseph stood in the crowd, been a part of their church service, been encouraged by the words and the sermons of Jesus, been inspired by the miracles they saw. Maybe they were even recipients of the multiplied bread and fish, but they never had to declare for Jesus because they were just receivers of his blessing not givers of the blessing back to him. That, my friends, is the epitome of a believer. This is the narrative we cannot permit in our life, an undeclared life. We cannot afford the church of Jesus Christ, the world around you, your kids, your friends, your co-workers, they cannot afford for you and I to have an undeclared life any longer. Man, when I was in high school, I got to go to this thing called Boy State. It's a little weird. You had to wear khaki pants and white t-shirts, very strange. But they teach you about government, and they, they set up the, we, we set up government and everything else. The, the, the very unique thing about Boy State is that uh, you did not have secret ballots. You had to declare for your candidate. That means you had to stand up and raise your hand on who you were going to back. And there were consequences, obviously, to that declaration. In America, I get it. We have the privilege of secret ballots where no one knows what you vote on. 
And I get it. That's important for democracy to function that way so that we can't be coerced. We, we can't be forced to vote one certain way or another. It's important for democracy. But we don't live in a kingdom of democracy. We live in a kingdom of truth. We live in a kingdom, come on somebody, of light versus darkness. We live in a kingdom, my friends, where we must make a declaration with our words. What comes out of our mouth, what truth we believe in, what truth we are basing our life upon, we have to make a declaration with our will to say, man, God, it's not my will, but your will. I'm surrendering my will. And that means I know what I want to do, but I'm not going to do what I want to do because what I want to do, Paul says, is sin against you. What I'm going to do is submit myself to your will, not mine. We're going to, we need to live in a declaration of works where we're working out our salvation by being the hands and the feet of Jesus by making this thing real. We need to have a declaration of worshiping with a holy life. Holy worship. Where we are just saying, God, it's all about you. I'm going to make your name glorious. I'm going to bring you holy worship. My life is going to be one where I give you back love by the life that I live for you and with you. We cannot permit an undeclared life. We must declare in word and will and works and worship. We can't leave things behind the chained up gate and expect there to be wholeness and peace and joy and fruit of the resurrected king when all we know is the king that died on the cross. See, my friends, this is the turning point for Nicodemus and for Josephus, uh, for, uh, for Nicodemus and Joseph, their collision with the love of Jesus on the cross. Their collision with the love of Jesus on the cross. The only thing, the only thing that was different between their pre-moment of secrecy and their post-moment of declaration is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's it. They were secret followers until they came face to face with what the cross meant. Who he really was. What it meant for them and how much love was poured forward towards them as believers, my friends. It's easy to simply see the cross as a means to our forgiveness. And when we're living a secret life, we know how much forgiveness we need. But as disciples, we also recognize that there are things, stay with me, secret things that keep us from coming to the body of Jesus. If they would have stayed secret followers, they would have never come to the body. They would have never laid hold of Jesus. It's the secret things, my friends. It's the secret things that keep us at a distance from Him. It's the secret things in us that we have allowed out of fear, out of shame, or out of guilt out of self-protection, to stay hidden, that keep us from grabbing a hold and laying a hold of the body. The, Bi the Bible says they came, and after their declaration, after he declared for Jesus publicly, Joseph grabbed a hold of the body of Jesus Christ. Come on, church, we need to lay a hold of Jesus. With everything we've got, we've got to lay a hold of his truth. We've got to lay a hold of his grace. We've got to lay a hold of his compassion. We've got to lay a hold of his mercy towards others. We've got to lay a hold of his holy life he's calling us to. We've got to grab a hold of his eternal cause for people. This is what we're declaring by our life. I want to lay hold of him. 
Not just his goodness to me. Not just what the cross brought to me. I want to grab a hold of the one on the cross, not just the works that came from the cross. A believer grabs a hold of the work of the cross. A disciple grabs a hold of the one who did the work on the cross. Come on, that's the invitation. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It doesn't mean you're not saved. I'm just talking about living a life where there's actually freedom and peace and joy, influence and power. I think the amazing thing for me out of all of this is that their declaration did not change Jesus' love towards them. Even as an onlooker, he loved them with everything he had, and he died with them. Their declaration did not change his love towards them, but it did change how they could love him. That's what we're offering. That's what this moment is about. What was personal became public. What was minimal became extravagant. What was held in darkness was willing to be brought into the shining light. Nicodemus and Joseph, the Bible says, took hold of Jesus. They ministered to him. They honored him. It became about taking care of him, not protecting them. Did you note the response? 75 pounds of spices they brought. Now, for you and I, that may not mean anything, but back then, that's what royalty did. That was the amount you would spend on a king to bury him like they did with David. They weren't burying a Messiah. They were burying their king. Something happened inside of them that said, I'm not just following a hope for my country, a hope for a change, a promised Messiah. I recognize now the one I'm laid hold of is the king of glory, and I'm going to treat him that way. And it cost them their persona. It cost them their position in society. It cost them their possessions. Man, Joseph gave up his tomb, unused, in a garden, expensive beyond measure, unusual for the day because usually back then in tombs you shared them. Multiple people were in, multi in the same tomb because it was cost a lot of money. He had buried a virgin, I mean, he, had, he, had, he had dug out a virgin tomb, placed it in a garden. He said, man, I'm going to give it to my king. I'm gonna, I don't care how much the spices cost me. I'm going to go to every market and tell them, this is for Jesus, I need that. Oh, you only got five pounds? I'll take five pounds because this is for my Jesus. Yeah, you've only got 12 pounds? I'll take it because this is for my Jesus. You're a Jesus follower? That's going to cost you double. That's okay. You can cost me triple because it's for my king. Something transpired inside of them. They took hold of him. They decided to become, to love him. They went all in because he had went all in on them. And I think the reality is, my friends, as we look at this even further, it was no longer about him hanging on the cross, but about him being held in their hands. Oh, may that be the cry of the disciple. It's not about him hanging on a cross. It's about how we are holding him in our own hands. This is the turning point between believers and disciples. Not simply embracing his love for us, but openly and unashamedly loving him back. Laying a hold of Jesus with everything we've got. Unashamed. Open. I get it. Declared discipleship takes risks. 
There's a risk. There's a risk to intimacy. There's a risk to vulnerability. There's a risk to living with everything out in the light. And when I say everything out in the light, I'm not saying that you've got to let everybody know everything about your business. Come on, somebody. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am saying that's why we are discipled. That's why we have spiritual leaders. It's why we're in discipleship groups. So that we have people that we can actually confess our sins to in a safe place. Because the Bible says if we confess your sins one to the other, there's healing in the midst of that. There's not shame. The pandemic of modern Christianity is to make public the unholiness of others while keeping private, come on, the unholiness in ourselves. That's the pandemic of Christianity. But see, the Bible talks about light. We are in the light. 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Can you imagine what it does in God when we say, God, I want to be like you? I'm going to bring everything into the light, the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm going to bring it all into the light. Because I want to be with you. I want to be like you. I want to know you at a level. I don't want to stay far from the body. I want to come close to Jesus. So I'm going to live in the light like you're in the light. His heart must dance and swirl when he hears that from his children. I know, I know, I love it. When Danielle, when we first got married, she would, she would watch football with me. And that's awesome, right? It's always great when your spouse wants to do something with you. But she, there started to become a time when she started to ask me questions about it. When she did that, what I knew was this. She wanted, she wanted to love what I love. My heart began to swirl. Come on, ladies. I know you say you want to get your girl going. Guys, do the laundry. Come on, do the, do the dishes. Hey, ladies, you want to get your man going. Come on, talk to him about football. Just some free marriage advice. Here's the reality. The devil wants to keep everything in darkness because it's his domain. It's how he keeps robbing God of worship. The worship of your life. He can't rob your salvation. So he wants to rob your worship from God. It's who he has been from the beginning. When he was leading worship, the Bible says, in heaven, he aspired to steal worship from God. That is what he is doing every time he is convincing you to keep in darkness what is meant to be in the light. And when we keep things in darkness, we join his choir. Discipleship, my friends, is about open worship for our king. Open worship. But we will always struggle with open worship when we're weighted down by a heart of secrecy. There's this amazing moment. I love this moment in the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 6. I love it because in the old school, when I was growing up, they told you that David danced naked before God. That's how you say it in South Jersey, naked. <laughs> the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 6 that the Ark of the Covenant was coming home to Jerusalem and David was so excited, he divested himself of all of his vestments. Everything that would identify him, mark him as special, all of his authority, everything that would give attention to him, that would actually draw the crowd's attention to the king, he, he divested himself of that, came out in a linen ephod, just came out in some undies, man. He just came out, and the Bible says he was twirling and dancing before God. 
He was public about his worship for the king. Oh, but there was, there was, there was kickback at home. His wife, Mihal Solomon, said, it says this, that she was disgusted by him in her heart. She despised him. But I love how this plays out. Because he comes home after dancing, worshiping publicly, expecting his wife to be like, good job today. That was awesome. She rolls up and says, you should be ashamed of yourself. You have no dignity. You acted just like everyone who's lower than you. Don't you understand how much shame you have? You should be ashamed of yourself for being so public in your worship of God. Oh, the voice of the enemy begins. I love his response. He turns to her and says this, girl, that's my version, girl, I was doing it for God and not you. And I want you to know, if this offended you, I'm about to get my jam on, come on somebody, and become even more undignified than this. Because it's not about me, it's about him. And I've laid down everything for the glory of my king. See, we love talking about David being a man after God's own heart. But this is what men and women after God's own heart do. They say, I can worship God in private. I can have a personal belief. But my God has called me to live life openly in the light and for his glory. Come on. For us, for Danielle and myself, yeah, there's a risk. Over the last two years when racial tensions at various levels happened throughout our country and our world. Yep. We were convicted and did not actually make change privately, although we did in our own self. We called for change publicly. When we stood up and we said, Black Lives Matter, we weren't talking about the organization. We were talking about a realization that black people in our country, they matter. They, they, they should be recognized. They, 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 that equality is a necessity. Uh, we weren't doing that from a place of political correctness or political pressure or believing that cr uh, critical race theory was right. We are believing, listen to me, we got to the word of God and the word of God convicted us. The word of God says this, justice for all. Amos chapter 5 verse 24 says, let justice roll like a river. Let the righteousness of God come to each and every person like a never-ending stream. When, the ARAA, when our AAPI community started to be beat up because of the connection to people's stupid thought of connection to COVID, we rose up. I'm not going to hide. I'm not voicing my opinion. I stood up and quoted the word of God says. It's not popular. We knew that people would leave. But I will not have a church that has a chain across it that says racism is allowed behind this private screen. Over the last two years, the First Nation people in Canada have been going through it. I mean, going through. 
through it. We love them. The Native Americans of Canada, man, the, the suicide rate is through the roof. I'm talking about teenagers, multiples in every town, killing themselves. Alcoholism and addiction on an all-time high. Over the last year, they found multiple burial sites in schools run by governments of hundreds of dead children that were never declared to their parents, but they were told were runaways or went missing because they were dying in the care of the government. See, but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when one suffers, we all should suffer. My conviction doesn't come from political correctness. It comes from the word of God, the heartbeat of the king, my collision with the cross of love. Open, public, in word and will and works and in worship. The enemy... Yeah, let me just say this. When we make those stances, we're not against anyone. We're for kingdom truth. The enemy wants to divide. The enemy says it's either or. If you support one, you're not supporting another. My God says my truth supersedes all things. He died for us in public so we cannot live for him in secret. They did what they did, we must do. Put ministering to Jesus ahead of maintaining dignity for ourselves. Yep, there's a risk. The unborn and the identity uncertain are equally loved by him. The poor in provision as well as the poor in spirit both get his same attention. The broken in body and the broken in mind, he is both their healers. The victim and the victimizer he calls friend. He has a promise for the unsure, the unholy, and the undone. And I am unashamedly, openly standing before you and telling you that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to get to the Father. And by his stripes you can be healed. I don't have to agree with how the victimizer victimized someone to let them know that the grace of God is for them. I don't have to agree with the uncertain or the undone to be able to give them hope about how to be fixed and made whole and find peace in Christ. I don't need to hide being sick in the mind because of cultural incorrect, uh, an incorrect view because Jesus is the healer of body, soul, and spirit. But when we hide, how will people know? When we keep secret what God has called to make public, things stay broken. I'm going to close in just a moment, but I love how this story ends. Because the story should give hope to you and I. I love this moment. Because what they did by repositioning Jesus, by not giving him hand over to the hands of the enemy, because that's what would have happened. Jesus was accused of treason. He would have been discarded by the side of the road, made public in disgrace so that the carrion birds and the animals of the field could tear his body apart. 
by them saying I will be I will become undignified so that my Christ can be dignified they positioned him for a resurrection moment somebody get that in your spirit when we begin to declare Jesus publicly, we begin to position him for resurrection moments in the impossible. When we bring the resurrection, when we bring Christ, a declared Christ, into the marketplace, we are positioning God to resurrect something that the enemy has killed. When we bring publicly, when we stand on the word of God in our relationships, when we bring hope instead of condemnation, we set something up for the supernatural resurrection of a relationship that the enemy wants to destroy. When we, when we publicly bring Jesus home as parents to our kids, come on somebody, we set a resurrection moment up for the kids. Yup, there might be some dead things in our family life. There may be some dead things in our parenting skills. There may be some dead things in the generational curses that were passed down. But when we openly bring Jesus into our homes, come on, we set up our kids for a resurrection moment. And it's not just in others, it's in you and me. When we stay private, yup, we connect with the forgiveness that rains down from the cross. Because we know we need it. But we do not connect to come close to the resurrected life of the one who hung on the cross. And it's only in that resurrection life that we find freedom. That we find real peace. That we find unmanipulated joy. Only by not keeping things in the darkness can we allow the light to come. In the book, The Hiding Place, Corey Tenboom tells a story about her sister. She and her sister, Betsy, when they were thrown into Ravensbrook concentration camp. They were brought in and they were brought to their place where they were going to sleep. And it was disgustingly dirty. The air, they had no air. It was smelled like death. It was overpopulated with multiple people sleeping in the same bunks. And worse off, it was filled with fleas. Before, as they got to the door, Betsy turned to Corey and said, before we go in, we're going to thank God that we've got a place to stay. We're going to thank God that we've got a bed to sleep in. We're going to thank God for the fleas. And Corey said, you're crazy. I will thank God that I got a, ha a roof over my head. And I'll even thank God for the stinky bunk I got. I am not praising him for these fleas. Betsy Turner said, you better praise him for the fleas. The Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances. The Bible says, praise him with everything you've got. So we're going to stand at this door, Corey, and we're going to praise God for the room. We're going to praise God for the bed. And we're going to praise God for the fleas. She said, fine. I still think you're crazy. <laughs> so they stand out there in front of everybody, rooms filled with people who don't know Jesus. And they cry out in a loud voice. They start thanking God for the room, thanking God for the bed, even thanking God for the fleas. What must that crowd must have thought about them before they walked in? A few months later, both of them were placed in a warehouse to work, sewing and knitting socks and stuff for the soldiers, filled with hundreds of women that didn't know Jesus Christ. 
So they start talking to them about Jesus. The head guard hears them talking about Jesus and runs to the door, going to bust in, but she stops at the door. She begins to yell at them. And they say to her, why aren't you coming in? And she says this, I'm not coming in that room. That room is filled with fleas. She slams the door shut. And the door stays shut for months. Which gives them the opportunity behind closed doors to share with the women publicly the love of Jesus Christ for them. To have prayer meetings, to sing hymn songs, to actually lead countless women to Jesus Christ because of the fleas, come on somebody, they gave thanks for a few months before. Corey said, I learned in that moment, I will keep nothing I will keep nothing in the darkness, not one, not one feeling, not one resentment, not even one flea. I will bring it all to the hands of Jesus and let him do what he will do with it. Oh, Betsy never made it out of Rainbow's book. She died. But hundreds of people will not die in hell because she lived publicly for him. Churches are filled with believers. Our country doesn't need just more believers. We need more disciples. The Bible says simply in Matthew 10, 32, if you will stand up and declare me before men, I, Jesus, will declare you before my Father in heaven. If you'll declare me, if you'll trust me in the declaration, yeah, before men, there's a risk. But what a reward we give him when we're willing to take that risk of worship. I'm just going to ask you guys to bow your heads with me right now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up for a moment. Oh, my God. Church, I want to ask you today, I want to invite you to this turning point moment. For some of us in this room, the first turning point may just be to turn towards Jesus and accept his forgiveness for the first time in your life. To declare him with your mouth as Savior and Lord. And the Bible says when you do that, if you believe in your heart that he died for you and rose again, and declare with your mouth Jesus as Lord, today you'll be saved. Today you'll have this intimate relationship with the God of heaven. In just a moment, we're going to do that. But I have another call for those who may be believers today and been in church and know God loves them, been a part of serving teams and all sorts of things, but at the end of the day, you can, you can really relate with the Nicodemus and Joseph pre-cross. You know what it's like to have things behind that chain that say private 
unseen, personal, stay out, stay away. But my friends, those things are keeping you from grabbing a hold of the body. Oh, they don't keep you from forgiveness. They keep you from being intimate with the forgiver. I want to invite you to be like David today. Say, I don't care what other people think. I choose to be even more undignified. Because I'm not trying to protect my dignity. I want to be a part of bringing dignity to my king. And that choice is a choice today that requires a choice, a public stance. Just like baptism is a public stance, this moment could be a baptismal moment for you to arise and say, Jesus, here I am. I'm not worried what the person next to me, behind me, in front of me is going to think. Today, I'm standing. Today, I'm standing. And I am making a public declaration that, God, I'm all in. My words, my will, my works, my worship, I'm all in. And if it requires me to be more undignified than this, I'm in. Because I want you to swirl. I want you to twirl. I want your heart to grow like the Grinch is three times bigger than it is now. God, I just want to cause heaven to dance. So I'm going to ask in just a moment for you to do something. We don't do this all the time, but I'm going to ask you to do something. Whether you are going to make a decision for Jesus for the first time or whether you have been a believer, but to be honest, this is a turning point moment for you and you're saying, I'm all in with everything I've got. When we stand, I'm going to ask you to come down. Stand around this altar. We, we're going to have some of our, our pastoral team around and they're just going to pray over you. We know we can't lay hands. We know we're restricted by certain things, but come on, the spirit is not restricted. And I believe as you walk down the aisle, as you walk down to this front, chains will fall off. I, I believe because the word of God is clear. When we bring things into the light, there's freedom, there's hope, there's joy. Uh, I, the, I believe that there's going to be uh, anxiety and fear that's going to fall off. Generational shame that has caused you to live behind the chain shattered. Come on, if you believe that with me. This is this moment. If you declare me before people, I will declare you before my Father who's in heaven. Daddy, that's our prayer today. Father, that's our prayer. Daddy, all that we are, all that we have, and all that we ever will be, we give to you. We are willingly choosing you, Jesus, to be Lord and Savior of our lives. To not only be ministered by the, by the one who hung on the cross, but to live a life that would minister to the one who hung on the cross. Fill us with your spirit, God. Let resurrection moments happen when we think the impossible is impossible. Let the stones be rolled away and let the glory of our King shine in our families, in our world, in our workplace, in this church.
Daddy, here we are. We're all in. 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 I'm just going to ask you guys to stand with me right now. And if that's you, if in your heart you're saying amen to that, not to me. This isn't about me. There are moments like this in your life. There are moments like this in your life that you will mark as turning point moments. And I believe from the moment that we walked into this door today and we began to sing holy and the atmosphere in this room was changed by the power of the Spirit that God was trying to woo you to his side. You don't miss the moment. He is trying to woo you to his side to close the gap between you. If that is you today and you are saying yes and amen to that, can I ask you right now as our pastors are coming down, can you just step out and come down? We want to pray with you right here, right now. If you are saying, if you are saying, come on Jesus, all I want is all of you. If I'm saying, God, I'm all in. I'm choosing to actually live in the light and not in the darkness. I'm choosing. Come on, church. Give people a hand as they're coming right now. Come on. This is glory. I'm all in. 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 I'm going to curse the darkness and walk into the light. I will not allow the enemy to keep in his domain what Jesus brought for me for his kingdom. I'm all in. We're just going to worship for a moment as some of the team prays for people around this room. I'm going to pray afterwards. But I pray whether you're up front or whether you're still in your seat that you join in right now. With what we started out singing today, holy, holy, holy. Echo, holy. A million angels fall. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. A million angels fall. Face down on the floor.
Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for every person, for every man and woman that is standing around this altar today. I'm praying for every person that is standing in every seat today. Father, I'm praying for every person online in the living room, in a hospital room, Lord God. I'm praying for every person on vacation. I'm praying for the glory of our King to shine. Father, as we lift up these things to you, you said if we cast our cares on you, you will care for us. You will carry our burdens, Lord. You are the King of peace and of the increase of your kingdom and peace. There shall be no end. So I pray that chains may be broken. Generational curses may be shattered. Shame may fall off, Lord God. That hope may fill the void in Jesus' name. Father, as we step out, being willing to bring all things into the light, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in every circumstance. We will not allow one thing, one offense, one resentment, not one flea to stay behind. We will bring it all into the light as you are in the light because we know we can trust you. Shame off every person. Shame off. Shame, you are, you are, you are a tool of the enemy. Shame, we cast you out in Jesus' name. Condemnation, you are not of God. In Christ, there is no condemnation. In Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. In Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. We cast out condemnation, shame, guilt in the name of Jesus. Generational curses, you're shattered and broken. The lies that kept us in darkness, we curse even now. I speak light and life over each and every person who's saying yes to Jesus today. And I thank you, God. I thank you. I thank you. Because you're true and honest. You're not a man that you should lie. You said, Jesus, if we declare you before people, you will declare us before the Father. So we stand in that truth, and we allow that truth to become our peace. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name. Come on. And everybody together said amen and amen and amen. Come on. Can you give God some glory just for a moment? Can you just praise him? Give a praise break for a minute just to thank him for who he is. Jesus, we love Woo! Hey, I want to thank everybody who stood, everybody who said yes, everybody who was brave today, everyone who made that statement in their seats and actually who walked down front. Man, good on you. I take God at his word. What peace we can have if we believe he said is right. When I declare him in front of everybody, he will declare me in front of his father. And if God is for me, who could be against me? If God is for me, who cares who's against me? Doesn't mean things won't come against you, but they ain't bigger than him. My God loves you. And I thank you for letting me share that word today. I pray that it marinates in you and that you find no condemnation, but only encouragement. No shame, but only the wooing of the Spirit towards stepping out of the darkness into the light. 
If you're serious about becoming a disciple, guys, we just started Forged again. Uh, we're starting a new book this week in Ephesians. You don't have to have been through all the other books we've done. Hop in. Just sign up. Go to the link tree right now. Sign up for it. Before you leave today, sit in your seat for just a moment. Sit in your seat and go to link tree. And while you're giving, because I know Pastor Ron's going to come and encourage you to give, sign up for link tree, forged group. Ladies, sign up for shoulder to shoulder. Why? Because we can't keep things in the darkness, in the devil's domain, when the blood of Jesus bought the freedom for us to live in the light. Can you just be seated just for one moment? I'm going to ask, can you guys give Pastor Ron a hand really quickly as he's coming up? Amen. Well, we're going to continue worship right now, you know, and I was reminded this morning of the scripture in Job chapter 30 where it says, God speaks now one way and now another, though man may not perceive it. And today, I'm perceiving something that God is hitting over my, over my head all week long because during the week, I was reading this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I got a lot out of it. And then a friend of mine shared it with me later in the week to bless me. And then my pastor shared it with me yesterday, again, to share with you. And I believe this is a word for us today. It says here that he has dispersed abroad and given to the poor his righteous and his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed. You have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. And for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many. Everybody say many. Many, many thanksgivings to God. And the scripture goes on and on. But let me break it down real quick for you. God gives us everything. Amen? God gives us everything. And he calls us to administrate what he's given us. Some of that is good for us to sustain us as food, right? But it says here that he gives us seed to sow. And that goes beyond what sustains us. We sow into the lives of others. And I've seen this church and my family year after year, day after day, sowing into the lives of many people. And I can attest today that he never disappoints in supplying with all liberality what we can sow into the lives of others. And what this scripture ends up saying to us is this, that when we give, Usually we're giving it in thanksgiving for what God has done in our lives, right? I'm giving God thanks for things that he's given to me. But what this says is that it goes beyond that. Because when I give, I'm giving to bless someone else. And then they give thanks. And then they give. And that person gives thanks for that gift as well. So the giving and the thanksgiving is just going up to heaven. And it makes God so happy. 
It makes him so joyous that he could give of everything that he has because he has everything, right? For us to give into the lives of others so that that could perpetuate into one life, into two lives, into eight lives, into 20 lives, and so and so. We saw it here today. So let's remember that as we give, we're giving into the lives of others who are going to say thank you. And the scripture says at the very end that these people are going to be praying for you for what you've given in their lives today. Amen? So as we give, let us remember all the good things that come from the Lord's hand. Amen? And let's think of the people that will be blessed by what we sow today. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the word that we received to live lives out just as Joseph, just as Nicodemus did. You give generously to our lives, and we thank you for the food that sustains us, Lord. But today, we choose to sow seed into the lives of others, Lord. May you bless the giver today, but go beyond that to bless those who are going to receive from the gifts that are sown today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I forgot to say that no, on the screen. It's good, it's good, it's good. No, no, it's, all, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, look, this is the way you can give, by the way. Yeah. Uh, there's envelopes there. Guys, you can fill them out, put them in those beautiful gold things on the way out. Make sure that it's, a, like Ron said, it's a, it's a moment of faith. Step here with me for a moment. Oh, yeah, sure. It's a moment of faith. It's a moment of thanksgiving. You can always give with your phone. You can always set up online on CCB as well. But I want to let you know, I talked today for a moment about the First Nation people in Canada yeah. and what they're going through. We have good partners up there, Jonathan and Tia Bounds, who we love. We've been up there multiple times being with the First Nation uh, communities of faith. You've got brothers and sisters who have been here a long time before we ever showed up as yeah. Europeans, by the way. They are loving Jesus, but they're going through it. I mean, they're going through it. So this week, we just, because of your generosity, we sent them up a, a big gift to be able to just say, man, keep loving on them. Keep yeah. loving on them. Awesome. Just keep loving on them because that's you who you're giving. Do you know what kind of hope you help bring people who feel so unseen in their own country? Don't feel like they're citizens in their own nation. Feel like they've been discarded and have to live in indignity on reservations? Yes. And yet there's a churches that say, I see you, and you matter to me, not just in prayer, but in finance. Hope. You are a vehicle of hope when Amen. you give. Yeah. So thank you, church. Thank you for giving. You. It matters. When I got the call, when I got the text, Jonathan and T and said, there's a gift on the way. Man, they were crying. They, they just are overwhelmed. Amen. Because they're burying teenager after teenager after teenager after teenager because those teenagers think they don't have any hope. And there's only one hope, and his name's Jesus. Amen. We got him. Yes. Let's publicly give him away. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand up with me. Let me pray over you as we go, just as a blessing. Father, I thank you. 
Daddy, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love that draws us to you. Thank you. Thank you for wooing us. Thank you. Thank you for not letting us wander too far. Thank you, Lord God. That you chased us down. And you still do. Father, now may your face shine upon each and every person here. May your glory rest upon them. May your peace fill them. May the kingdom of your peace go before them. May your prosperity and favor rest upon them. Everywhere they place their feet this week, my God, may your spirit place his foot there before them. May signs and wonders follow the preaching of your word in their workplace and in their homes. And may your kingdom come and may your will be done in their life today, tomorrow, and all week long as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Go live for him openly. Praise him with everything you got. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.